Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 48, which is on page 786 on the Church Bible. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, I love, uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Lexi. If you can have your Bibles open um, to Matthew chapter 5, that would be great. And if you don't have a Bible, could I just ask the ushers to run to anyone? Would you raise your hand and the uh, ushers will run to you with the Bible? Um, it's a difficult passage, and so I think it'd be great if you had your Bible open. So let's do that. Let's, uh, let's pray that God will speak to us this morning. Right there, Karen. There and there. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for these words. Lord, we thank you that these are challenging words, uh, the words that rebuke us. Uh, but Lord, we pray that you will also encourage us um, today that we might be the people who turn the other cheek, uh, who love our enemies. We pray that we will really shine um, like stars in this uh, dark world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's uh, Matthew chapter 5. Verses 38 to 48. The social scientists have found that even babies, even just tiny babies, have a sense of fairness, sense of uh, uh, right and wrong, but sense of fairness. I watched the TED Talk uh, that shows even animals have this sense of fairness. Uh, when these monkeys, uh, two monkeys, when these monkeys are given cucumbers for a simple task that these animals these monkeys were uh, happy doing it over and over again but when they were put side by side uh, and doing the same task one was given a cucumber and the other was given a piece of grape and uh, see what happens uh, when that happens first piece he eats uh, then she sees the other one getting grape and you will see what happens so she gives a rock to us, that's the task, and we give her a piece of cucumber and she eats it. The other one needs to give a rock to us, and that's what she does. And she gets a grape, and she eats it. The other one sees that, 
C gives a rock traverse now, gets again cucumber. She tests a rock now against the wall. She needs to give it to us. And she gets cucumber again. <laughs> so this is so the monkey. The monkey rejects the cucumber and demands a piece of grape. Why? Because it's unfair that they do both do the same work and one is getting paid less than the other. That sense of fairness is so ingrained, us, ingrained in us, isn't it? It's, it's in, in babies, it's in animals, it's in us. And so we, we do try to pay people fairly. But also we try to punish people fairly as well for the crimes that they did. Uh, one is supposed to be punished in proportion to the crime that they have committed. Right? Proportional, proportional punishment uh, is accepted by philosophers like Kant and Hegel. It's found in some of the, uh, the oldest legal systems like uh, Code of Hammurabi. It's there in the Bible as well. You'll see that in verse 38. It's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. And of course, that's a quotation directly from Exodus chapter 24, Levit Levitic, uh, 21, Leviticus 24, Deuteronomy 19. And as a legal principle, it works great. It defines justice. You aren't supposed to have a judge uh, that pronounces a, life, a lifetime in prison for a bread that you steal. That wouldn't be just. Uh, it, it, he's not supposed to let, let somebody, a murderer, uh, go free after three days, right? It's murder. It should be eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. It defines justice. But this law also re restrains people from personal revenge. If someone defrauded you, stole from you thousands of dollars, instead of getting a bat and taking, yeah, I don't know, the, the biggest friend that you have uh, 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 to, to rough them up a little bit, you go to the police. You would go to the judge demanding justice to be done, trusting that they will administer justice. Uh, eye for an eye, uh, tooth for tooth. This law was there to restrain people from being vigilantes. Sorry. And if we study the context of Exodus chapter 21, and that'll be clear, God was instructing Moses and the judges of Israel Right? God was giving a legal principle for Moses to, uh, to mete out his uh, justice. But it seems that in, many, in the first century and during Jesus' time, many people were taking this principle and applying it to their personal life. They were doing it personally. They were carrying out these principles by themselves. So if a person shoves you on the MTR, well, you shove them back. If someone stole something from you, well, you steal something from them. If someone is gossiping behind your back, you might spread your own rumor. You can imagine how harmful applying this principle personally would be to a community. The very thing that the law is trying to prevent you to do, which is revenge, which is taking things out of proportion, was what, what was happening as people were applying this in their personal lives, personally. So Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, 
eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Jesus says we're not to act on this principle personally at all. Actually, he says more than that, right? In our personal life, he says, actually, we shouldn't even resist an evil person. The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon memorably said, we are to be as an anvil when bad men are hammers. We are to be as anvils when bad men are hammers. And that's not the same thing as being a doormat, a weak person that others walk all over. It's not fighting, not fighting back because you know that you can win the fight. Right? That's being a doormat. Or not speaking up because you're afraid. That's being a doormat, not an anvil. No, this command is for us to be anvils. People with enormous moral strength and courage. People who are so much like our God, a Father in heaven... That, it's the, that we are to restrain from carrying out revenge. It's the strength that restrains us, not our weakness. So in our strength, we are to turn the other cheek. Verse 39, if somebody sues to take one thing, we're supposed to hand over another. Verse 40, if somebody forces you to go one mile, you're supposed to go another mile. Verse 41, we're not to turn away uh, those who want to borrow from us. Verse 42, friends, I hope you understand what Jesus is saying. And if you listen carefully, this is a deeply offensive, deeply offensive teaching, isn't it? To turn the other cheek. To, to, it, it goes against our sense of justice, sense of fairness, something that is deeply ingrained in us. Sorry, I'm having a technical difficulty here. This is uh, acting up a little bit here. Let's see if I... I mean, what Jesus is saying is you're supposed to do nothing, right? When a bully picks a fight with you, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm not supposed to do anything. And what if my boss gives me work that he's supposed to do? It's his work, but he doesn't want to stay after, so he gives me the work again, not just once, but twice, three times. How about a wife who's getting abused by her husband? How about China in Hong Kong? What if it starts taking away all the freedom of press and all the the, the rights, the rule of law? We're not supposed to do anything? We're not supposed to resist at all? Is that what Jesus is saying? And these are really hard questions. And there are other Christian principles at work that we should apply. For example, I might be able to turn the other cheek. I might be able to do it. But if I see a friend getting abused, I'm supposed to stand up for the other person. Right? If I see somebody bullying another person, I should speak up and stop that person. If I see a friend being abused, I ought to take her to a safe place and take appropriate actions. Romans chapter 13 tells us that we're not supposed to retaliate personally because God has in charge the government, the government to punish evildoers. Sometimes they abuse, sometimes they do bad things, but the government, when they punish the wicked, they are doing what God, uh, what, what God has in charge them to do. So while we should be ready to forgive personally, we can and many times should pursue justice through the government, through the God-given authority of the government. And Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King was struck and jailed and betrayed, his house bombed, but he really lived this out. This is what his friend Dr. May said at his uh, funeral. 
He said, yet this man had no bitterness in his heart, no rancor in his soul, no revenge in his mind, and he went up and down the length and breadth of this world preaching nonviolence and redemptive power of love. Right? He didn't resist. He didn't fight back personally. But he then organized marches. He tried to change the law that was so unjust, that was racist. And in the sinful world, there are times where uh, we might have to resist. There are exceptions because of other principles at work, because of the sinfulness of this world, precisely because we're Christians. But having said all of that, after you read this and you only think of the times when Jesus' command should not apply to you, when it does not apply to you, we're missing the point, aren't we? Right? We're becoming basically Pharisees who try to weaken what Jesus' command, what weak, uh, weaken God's command by, by making loopholes, trying to find all the exceptions. We're being Pharisaic, friends. Our first instinct when we hear God's law should be, how can I not, how can I get out of this difficult command? But how can I apply these words to my life? What will you do, for example, tomorrow when someone on the MTR bumps into you rudely and some, a, a bully taunts you at school when a friend asks you for money again? How will you react to your boss when he takes advantage of you? Will you react in anger? Will you moan and groan? Will you plan a revenge? Or will you t turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, lend him the money? Will you forgive? And God gave us reasons why we should obey these things. Remember, God is still the judge. He is just and he will judge. That's what an eye for eye, tooth for tooth means. That this is God's law. This is God's good law. And we can resist because ultimately, no one will get away with the wrong that they do. No one. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12. If you can turn to page 920. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Paul writes, there, see, I think I might have this, yep. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. And then up to 19, do not take revenge, my dear. Uh, friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to revenge. Avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Paul says we're not to repay evil for evil. Not you. We shouldn't repay. Because it is God's job to repay. Because God is just and God knows what is happening. And ultimately, no one will get away with the wrong that they do. And we will be repaid. So Paul concludes in verse 21, do not overcome do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. I know a person who's gone through a terrible divorce, which itself was a terrible thing. Although he wanted to continue to work at the marriage, his non-Christian wife wanted to leave him. And when they came to the proceedings, the wife made all sorts of un unreasonable demands. But instead of fighting it, he felt that it was the right thing to give her everything she asked for and more. Now, when I first heard this story, my reaction was, wait, but this was her fault. She's the one who wants to leave. 
and these demands were unreasonable and you gave her everything that she wanted and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt hand over your coat as well well he felt that this was the Christian thing to do friends he didn't do this because he was a doormat right he did it because he was an anvil he was able to give up everything because he had God as his security God as his loving father God as his ultimate judge and every time you decide to be an anvil at the hammering of an evil person actually it'll make you bristle it won't feel quite right it will go against your deeply ingrained sense of justice it will feel in some sense wrong but Jesus tells us that that is what being the children of our Heavenly Father means to carry this out is really challenging but actually it gets tougher Jesus takes us to a tougher place because Jesus tells us in verse 43 and on that we ought to not just not resist the evildoers but love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us I wonder if you saw how the Pharisees twisted God's words as people often do in verse 43 the original law in Leviticus went love your neighbor as yourself right they omitted that part it's uh, and not only that words they added to the law by adding and hate your enemy there's no command anywhere to hate your enemy even in the Old Testament in fact there were laws regarding how uh, we are not to hate our enemies in the Old Testament but you can understand why people added that little bit because it feels right because that seems like the thoughtful thing to do the right thing to do it it feels right to love our and uh, love uh, our neighbors and hate our enemy in 2008 Orthodox Rabbi Botich published an article called moral people must learn how to hate moral people must learn how to hate and he writes as for my Christian brethren who regularly quote to me Jesus is famous saying love your enemies my response is that our enemies and God's enemies are different parties altogether Jesus meant to love those who steal your girlfriend cut you off on the road or swindle you in a business deal but to love those who would indiscriminately murder God's children is an abomination against all that is sacred is there a man who is human whose heart is not filled with moral revulsion against terrorists who target a rabbi who feeds the hungry would God or Jesus ask me to extend my more uh, one morsel of my limited capacity for compassion to a fiend rather than saving every last particle for their victims instead could God be so unreasonable could Jesus be so cruel as to ask me to love baby killers and would such a God be moral if he did could I pray to a God who loves terrorists no such a God would be my enemy he writes it feels right it feels right to love those who are good to forgive those little things but to hate our enemy to, 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 re, uh, to love our enemy to love the people who are really terrible who are against God but of course that's what Jesus is asking us to do and Jesus tells us to be like him like our father in heaven verse 45 who causes the Sun to rise on both the evil 
and the good, sends the raid on the rain on the righteous and, and also on the unrighteous. His love is indiscriminate. If you walk outside today and see the sun shining brightly and you think, oh God is so good to me. Well, in a way, it has nothing to do with you. God is good to everyone, both good and the evil. And despite what Rabbi Botich teaches, says loving our enemies is precisely what God asks us to do because that's what distinguishes Christian from others. Of course, that doesn't mean that when we see injustice, our hearts don't fill up with revulsion and anger, righteous anger. We, we, we should. We're made in the image of God. That sense of justice is ingrained in us. But as the children of our Father in heaven, we don't just end there. We shouldn't just end there. We then seek to love the person who has caused such revulsion and righteous anger. As a commentator, a commentator put it so clearly and so helpfully in this way. To return evil for good is devilish. To return good for good is human. To return good for evil is divine. Some people do evil things to good people and that is devilish. That is from the evil one. To do good towards who are good to us, well that's just being a human being. To love our enemies, to do good to the, towards those who are evil. That's like being our Father in heaven. But since loving in this way it comes only from God, Jesus then asks us to pray for those who persecute us. And that's a deeply practical command. John Stott writes that if you can't, if, if you, you can't continue to hate somebody that you pray for, and if you continue to pray for that person, your love for that person will grow. The person who's competing with you in a nasty way for promo promotion at work, or a boss who's making your life miserable, or a person who cut you off at the queue, that person who picked a fight with you for no reason. At that moment, what's the best thing to do? What can you do when you're bubbling with anger? Well, Jesus says, take a step back and start praying for that person. Pray for that person. Because as you pray, you will develop a love for that person. And as you continue to pray for that person, your love for that person will increase. Pray for those who persecute you. Our transformation as children of our Heavenly Father shouldn't stop at not resisting at superficial obedience of the law. We are called to be transformed in our hearts, in our motivation. We're called to love our enemies. And when this happens, it will amaze people because people will recognize that this love comes from God, that this love is divine. I think I've used, uh, I've told the story once before, but Pastor Son, his two son, sons were killed uh, on October 20th, 1948 by communists in Korea. They were both shot to death by, in a communist uprising. And in a few weeks, that uprising was subdued and uh, uh, the, the killer was arrested. He was just a young man, just about Pastor Son's son's age. So Pastor Song went to the authorities and instead of demanding justice, he pleaded for his life. 
he asked if he could adopt this young man. Remarkably, this wish was granted and, uh, and this murderer was adopted as his son. Chazan was released, adopted, converted, and later on he became a pastor. That's divine. That's indiscriminate love. And the world might not understand that kind of love. They might actually think that it's immoral. Immoral to be that merciful towards somebody who's done that evil. But that's the love of our Father in heaven. And that's what we are to be like as His children. And there must be a difference in us as His children because we are the children of God. Even the tax collectors and pagans love those who love them. They greet those who greet them. Jesus asked in verse 47, what more, what more are you doing than others? How can we do more, you might ask? How can we do more when our, when our uh, hearts fill up with anger? When, we, when it screams out, it's not fair. How can we actually be like God? Well, I think that in a way is asking, what sets Christianity apart from all other religions? The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus and the answer is the cross. Because if you think about what Jesus did, did it's, it's utterly unique. Jesus lived a singular, utterly singular life. He might, we might be accused of hypocrisy every day, but he lived, he lived out what he preached. There was no anger or lust in his life. He lived in absolute integrity. And although he was Almighty God, with the power that has created the heavens and the earth, with the, the, the hosts of heaven at his disposal, he didn't resist evil Herod, cowardly Pilate, or the fickle crowd. He was whipped, and he was nailed to the cross. And as he was dying, he prayed for his enemies, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. And this cross is what sets apart our God from all other gods and our faith from all other faith. And also, this isn't just an example, right? Jesus didn't do this just an exa example for us to follow. This is also, the cross is the place where His people are set apart from all other people. Because on the cross, through the cross, God of grace makes us people of grace. After all, Jesus said here, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He's talking to his children, people who have been set apart as his children, and he's done that on the cross. On the cross, God reconciled us, his enemies, as his children. Through the cross, we received the Holy Spirit. We were born again. We became new people. Not resisting evil and loving our enemies is not the way that we become God's children. It's not a way to earn God's approval so that we could be accepted by Him. No, if we imitate our Father, it's because we want to. It's because our nature has been changed from inside out because we have the Holy Spirit there inside of us test, uh, telling us that's what we should be doing because we have already become His children through the cross. So be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Friends, we are to be anvils 
not doormats, but anvils. We are to love indiscriminately. And we are to do this because we are already the children of our Heavenly Father through the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the example of the cross. We thank you for Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who died for us, who loved his enemies, who reconciled his enemies, adopted us as his uh, children, and made us his own. And Lord, we thank you that that's not just an example, but that's the power that fuels our Christian life. Lord, help us to return to the gospel. Help us to return to the cross, that we might have the moral strength, we might have the moral courage to turn the other cheek, to love our enemies, that we might shine as salt and light in this world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.